Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. And all of those voices you just heard is why the NFL is so great. Because of the 14 teams that are in the playoffs, everybody is dreaming of Lombardi. But let's be honest, the... You know, all the teams that didn't make the playoffs have fascinating stories as well. It sounds strange to say the Pats aren't in the playoffs, but the Jets, the Jags, what are they going to do? What are the Niners going to do? The Cowboys. We'll talk about it all on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests proudly appear on the Goodyear hotline, including Coach Jim Mora, the former UCLA head football coach, our colleague here, college football analyst at ESPN. He'll join us in nine minutes. So, fellas... The Chiefs aren't going to have a chance to make a first impression. We kind of know how dangerous they can be. They'll have the bye. The Packers will have the bye in the NFC, the only two that'll have a first-round bye and host a game in the Divisional. That leads to everybody else playing on Wild Card Weekend, and there seems to be a drumbeat that the most exciting team to watch because it's been so long and because they have a great, hot, young quarterback and they've got a home playoff game to kick off the first of six games on Super Wild Card Weekend Key course we're talking about the buffalo bills they'll welcome the colts to town we got an oldie buddy goodie with the colts we got a young stud on the other side and this is what josh allen is going to be in some ways measured on regular season success is great but look the bills have been to those four straight super bowls those fans are used to winning there'll be some mafia members in the audience there in audience used to winning well, you just said they had won in 25 years or something no, like that. Those four they all wrong with you, boo. Those four Super Bowls, though, right? Those four. I, when's the next time? When's the next time a team will get to moving forward with the parity of the league? Four straight Super Bowl. It does say something. Who could do that? Four straight. Kansas City? Maybe? And hopefully not lose four straight. No, but Kansas, maybe Kansas City. Kansas maybe. City probably could. Probably, as of right now, mm-hmm. Kansas City can do it. As of right now. Gotcha. So if you're old enough to remember... Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed and Coach Levy and all of that winning. Jim Kelly came on our show and essentially said, you know what? I hope this kid is the next me. A lot of guys want, I'm me. I don't want anybody to be me. Len Dawson is okay with Patrick Mahomes being the next Len Dawson. And Kelly said the same thing about Allen. This is a big spot, especially remember last year when they got into the playoffs, you could make an argument that Josh Allen essentially lost them their wildcard playoff game. Yeah, but he was he's young though, right? This is only his third year mm-hmm. and he certainly has grown uh, in his last couple years and become became something that when you look at, at the quarterback spot, it's like, okay, did the Cleveland Browns get it wrong? You start to, you start to look at the situation. Uh, Brian Dable came in as the offensive coordinator and decided that he was going to build a certain system around Josh Allen. But then Brandon Beam, the general manager, also realized that he had to surround a young, talented quarterback out of Wyoming with talented receivers around him. Goes out and signs Cole Beasley in free agency uh, and then trades for Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs had one of the most amazing seasons in NFL history at the receiver position. And so as you start to develop things in this continuity and things continue to keep going, you can be those Buffalo Bills that went to those four straight Super Bowls. You want to try to win one of them, and especially now that New England has struggled struggle this year, which I looked for New England to bounce back here in the future. But as of right now, it's about the Buffalo Bills. They could be in that position, Jay, to find themselves at, in Tampa in the Super Bowl. Key, I, I do believe that they're the biggest threat to win the whole thing. Um, 
you know, minus the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and look, I, I hope this doesn't come back to haunt me if they lose to the Colts. Of course, I'd be stuffing words in my mouth. But I just feel like, you know, since week 12, Key, they've had a top five scoring defense. That has been the one question I've always had about the Bills. Their defense. Can their defense continue to step up? If not for that hell Murray pass against Indi- against Arizona, they would have won 10 straight games. 10 straight games with no team after week 12 finishing within one possession close to them, right? So I go back to that week six loss they had against uh, the Chiefs when Sean McDermott decided to pick his poison and allowed them to run the ball. And I think, you know, they end up rushing for like 250 yards and, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw for 225 yards. But it came down to, I think it was 23-17, a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumble that his knee was actually down. And I would have been the Bills' ball. I felt like they were in position to win that game. I just think between the way their defense has improved, between Stephon Diggs and the weapons that they have, with the maturation of how Josh Allen is playing, setting so many single-season franchise records, they are the most prone team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I'm not I'm not as bullish on this thing as as Jay is. You know, I'm a one-game-at-a-time type guy. Indianapolis and a veteran quarterback like Phillip Rivers who's been in the playoffs, who understands situation. Frank Wright, who was the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, coming back in a historical fashion against the Houston – almost called the Astros, the Houston Oilers. Yeah. He knows what it's like. So it's one game at a time. Take care of Indianapolis Colts before you start looking ahead to your next opponent. And if they do that, which they've been doing all season long, then they'll have a chance to maybe meet Kansas City at the finish line come AFC Championship Week. This is a young football team with not a lot of playoff experience. Deep playoff experience, that is. And that is Jay's point. They sold out against the run in the first matchup. And to Jay's points, he just gave the numbers that the Chiefs actually were able to run for more yards than Mahomes threw for. That's not something you see very often, so I agree with Jay on that point. And you're right, how juicy is it to have Frank Reich, the architect of one of the Mm. greatest wins in Bills playoff history, standing on the other sideline trying to prevent the Bills from maybe forging ahead with history. Here's Josh Allen, the man of the moment. Real quick here, uh, Jay, real quick. The man of the moment, your guy, the guy that you think can take the Bills super deep, Josh Allen, on how all of this has gone for him at breakneck speed this season. Obviously, we feel good. And, uh, we got to keep things rolling. Obviously, this doesn't mean anything if um, we can't do anything in the playoffs. And we understand that. You know, we got a very veteran run team, guys that care about each other, guys that just want to work hard and do their jobs. And, um, ultimately, that's what we want to do. And I just do our job and, and go out there, put our best before, try to win a football game. And, um, that's what we did. And, um, again, it was a three-phase deal tonight. Offense, defense, special teams. Guys making plays, stepping up all over the field. It was awesome to see. And, Jay, what do you think here? I mean, look, I, Josh Allen always says the right thing. I, I just go back to, look, they could lose to Indianapolis. It's feasible with that defense. I'm just saying with the way he played, with the accuracy in which he's throwing, just 10 interceptions for the whole year. Just 10. I think they are in a legitimate position to win the whole thing. It's hard to argue with the numbers that you just gave on everything that the Bills have been able to do this year. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract. No compromise. We have a little bit of breaking news. I want to get the fellas' opinions on Adam Schefter just... Uh, reporting this moments ago, not a huge surprise, but the Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Marone have quote-unquote parted ways this morning. That's the source telling Schefter. So now the head coach openings for the moment, fellas. Urban Meyer, here he comes. Here we go. Let's talk about it. Jaguars, Jets, Lions, Falcons, Texans. Jaguars, Jets, Lions, Falcons, and Texans. All right, Jay, give me your Urban Meyer to Jacksonville scenario here. 
I mean, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day's in that conversation. I know Kia has a couple other candidates are probably in that conversation as well. I just feel like Urban Meyer, um, a, a, a guy that obviously has had a run. We're, we're seeing a lot of coaches come from college going into the pro ranks. I feel like Urban Meyer has the temperament, the demeanor to handle a situation like that. And then, you know, it gets into, you know, what, what style of quarterback will Urban Meyer like with his franchise ultimately? And the Jaguars are right in that key position. Urban Meyer would be interesting. Ryan Day would be interesting. Urban Meyer, because of his Florida ties, obviously Jacksonville's right there close to Gainesville, so you still got that whole Florida landscape. I'm sure he loves to go out there and swing the golf clubs around and do some of those things. Plus, he would have to have you know complete control, and I think any head coach that goes in will want complete control, and he certainly would want that. Um you know, can Urban Meyer make that switch to being a pro coach? I think so. He's been around the coaching circle long enough to understand that college coaching at Florida and in in Utah and Bowling Green and Ohio State is different than the National Football League. You're dealing with grown ass men. Right. You're not dealing with dudes that you can punish for certain things. It's a little bit different. But I think he's been around the block enough. Uh, it'd be fascinating to see. And to your point of total control, the Jaguars right now need a general manager and a head coach. So this is one of those situations where they had let Dave Caldwell, who was their general manager, go earlier in the season. Uh, Tom Coughlin, obviously, has been long gone as well. So now you need somebody in the front office. You need somebody on the sidelines. And to Key's point, if he's going to come out of, quote-unquote, retirement, battling health issues, got a comfortable job on television where he's doing a great job. He's going to want everything he needs. And to Key's point, you can't out-recruit everybody in the NFL. You just can't go out there and get every five-star and then blow everybody off the field. It doesn't yeah. work in the yeah, NFL go, like that. You're going to have some guys that can't play dead in a cowboy movie, <laughs> and you're going to have to play them. Where, where if in college – you don't like that guy. You could just insert another guy. You don't like that guy. You can insert another guy. You know, it's, it doesn't work like that in the pros. But he's smart enough to know that. Uh, and there will be a ton of other candidates that's out there. There will be guys that's out there that you don't even think about. With the furthest thing from your thought process, you know, Lincoln Riley is still available. Right. He's still hovering. People haven't forgot that he has a nice offensive mind. Right. So it's, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to see over the next three, four weeks. And Zubin, I would also say this, you know, it also raises the question once again, whether Meyer would consider selecting Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, uh, considering that's where he came from and obviously having familiarity uh, watching that program and talking to Ryan Day and things of that sort. So it makes it really intriguing. You, no doubt. You want to change the narrative because, and again, everybody's individual. They're all in a vacuum. You can't pin guys together, even though guys play in systems and all that. But it would be nice to turn the tide. You know, obviously, Dwayne Haskins has struggled. Cardell Jones is out of the league. So it would be interesting to see a guy come through that Meyer slash Day system and making it in the NFL. But none of those guys that we're talking about were when you, and I hear, and I, and I know that the, the argument about guys and systems, right? Alex Smith was his quarterback at Utah. Mm-hmm. Really, the only other pro prospect he had at quarterback was Cam Newton. And Cam didn't even last at Florida. Right. In 12-gauge, Cardell Jones, he was, he was a guy who was third on the depth chart mm-hmm. and then got pushed and elevated because of injuries. So he never really had a pro 
talent at quarterback, so to speak. It's a great point. And obviously, they're talking about Fields being a top two, maybe top five pick. That's pretty rarefied air where the other guys haven't been able to go. Let's talk a little bit more about the transition from college football to the NFL with a guy that actually knows quite a bit about that. ESPN college football analyst Jim Mora joining us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. It is great to have Coach Mora here for his first appearance on the show. Hopefully, it's first of many. Coach, good morning. We were just discussing the whole idea of perhaps Ryan Day or Urban Meyer heading to the NFL. Knowing your association with both college football and the league, what do you think about either one of those guys making the move to Jacksonville or elsewhere? I think it's going to be, <laughs> number one. Um, it, it's just it's a different animal. You know, and Keyshawn can tell you that. Uh, you're dealing with a, a different different mindset in terms of the, the players on your team. You're dealing with men. You're not dealing with young, developing men, but you're dealing with men that have families, that uh, that this is a profession. Uh, they're, you know, they're trying to feed their families. Um, it's, it's just different. It's not, it's not an easy transition, but I think if you're a good football coach and you're good with people and you're trustworthy and you know what you're talking about and you can prove to the players that you're going to help them uh, max their potential that, that you'll have a shot. But I think it's, you know, I think it could be somewhat eye-opening for for any college coach that's never been in the NFL. I think it could be very eye-opening initially. And you you are right, Jim. A long time, man. How you been? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing what they asked me to do, work. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Good. No, but I'm having fun, man. No, you, you're absolutely right about you made the transition, obviously, from head coach in the NFL to taking over the job at UCLA and having to kind of understand what the college rules and game was all about. These coaches have to now flip the switch. And Matt Rule, we saw, do the same thing. And then we also have an opportunity to sift click. Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona kind of do the same thing and taking over an NFL program. Do you think that these college coaches can have major success and not just mild success, but major success moving from the college ranks to the NFL? The right approach and the right personality key. This is, this is my concern. Okay. Is, um, when I look at someone like, uh, let's just say, Urban, for instance, he's used to being um, in absolute control, and and his word is final, and nobody ever uh, challenging him. And you and I know that in, in the NFL today, it, 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 that doesn't necessarily work all the time unless your name is Bill Belichick. I think that you have to be a little bit, you have to be flexible, I think, with these players. And that doesn't mean that, that, that you're not in charge. That doesn't mean that you're not the, you know, the final authority. It, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you know, you're going to be dealing with some personalities and some people that aren't afraid to speak out, that aren't afraid to challenge you, that aren't afraid to go public if they're not happy with the way you're doing things. That's just kind of the contemporary athlete. I think you, you know, you, you'd know that. You, know, you wrote a book. Throw me the damn ball, you know. I mean, so you have to have the ability to really communicate well with the contemporary athlete and still maintain the authoritarian position that you have as a head coach. Still be able to control a locker room, uh, control a team, 
and yet show some flexibility. And my only, you know, I, I think about Matt Rule and Cliff Kingsbury. And I think about let's talk about Matt Rule. I think that he has a unique personality. I think he's very trustworthy. I think he's probably a very good listener. But I don't think in any in any way is he a pushover. And I think it's you just walk in line right now with that. And then let's remember one thing. Okay, all this talk about uh, Urban going to the Jaguars. There's a thing called the Rooney Rule. So if, if they just up and hire him, then they've once again made a mockery of the Rooney Rule, a, a complete and total mockery of it. So I, I don't know how that works. Jim, I want to transition back to college for a second. Um, is, is Sark really the right hire for Texas? Is he the guy to get it done? I think he is. I think he is. You know, I've known Steve a long time. Keyshawn has. I think he's 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 been through the fires, man. I mean, he's been, <laughs> he's been through it, and I think he's learned a lot. I think that you know, being with Nick as long as he has, and kind of understanding you know that system, um, how they do things at Alabama, I think will help him. I think that he's regained his credibility. I think he's an excellent recruiter. He'll put together a great staff now. Being a head coach at Texas is a lot different than being a head coach at a lot of places. You know, you're expected to be a little bit of a politician. You know, you, I remember talking to Mac about this, and, you know, there wasn't – your, your split in time was not 50-50 football, you know, being out talking to all these, you know, uh, Longhorn faithful. I mean, you were out talking to Longhorn faithful more than you were coaching football. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Sark can handle that part of the job, which is connecting to that Longhorn community. But I, I think that he's matured. I think that he understands it better. I, I know for sure he's a damn good football coach and a damn good recruiter. I think the big thing for him will be, you know, connecting the community. But if you win, if you win, it, it solves any of those issues that you may have in terms of, man, I'm a football coach. I don't want to be out there politicking. If he wins, he doesn't have to go politic. That's a great point. It's going to be a great seven days for college football. The championship game is a week from tonight. Tomorrow, they'll hand out the Heisman in a virtual ceremony at 7 Eastern on ESPN. So plenty of things to look forward to still as the college football season winds down. Coach Moore, thanks for joining us this morning. I see you, Key. All right, Jim. So owner Shad Khan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, just to follow up on this breaking news story that we're continuing to follow, which isn't too surprising that the Jaguars have fired head coach Doug Marone after a disastrous season. The Jags are going to be picking first overall in the draft, whomever they select, Trevor Lawrence or not, Marone will not help shape them. Here's the statement here from the owner. And then I want to just get your fellas thoughts on what kind of job this is. Cause remember you'll have the first overall pick. You're going to have a ton of cap room and maybe total control depending on who you are. That's more than you're going to get with a other bunch of middling teams. Quote, I'll always appreciate Doug's passion, grit, and class, and I'm confident he will enjoy success in the next chapter of his career. As the search for our new general manager continues, now the quest begins to find a head coach who shares my ambition for the Jacksonville Jaguars and our fans whose loyalty and faith are overdue to be rewarded. Just a reminder, it was three years ago. They had a double-digit lead in Foxborough, or I guess a little over three years ago, a double-digit lead in Foxborough, in the AFC Championship game with an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, and now they're looking for a new GM and a new head coach. How good of a job is this? I think it's, it's, it's the, the job is as good as the owner is, right? And if the owner is allowing you to do your job, then it's a good job. If the owner is meddling and in the way, it's not a good job. And that's not his style, this and, guy. And so as, as long as whoever the head coach is and general manager is given everything that they need to be successful – then you can turn things around and be successful. I mean, they, you, you mentioned that they were a half away from possibly going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, for whatever Tom Coughlin did the last year or so there and, and, and kind of, you know, blew things up and, and made players mad and wanted to get out of there, that mentality has to change. And, and the new head coach, new general manager has to put their foot down and let them know that. But I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a okay job. I mean, I don't really know their, their roster from top to bottom. Um, but I think, it, it, put it this way, Zubin, all jobs in the NFL are good jobs. I 30, was just 32 say that, of them, though, right? I mean, <laughs> I like, say that. let's put it that way. <laughs> all of them are good jobs. But if you had to pick, and you could pick if you're Eric Bieniemy, that may be one on the bottom of the list. I, I, I think there are different strokes for different folks, Zubin, right? Uh, for some jobs, it wouldn't be the right job for Eric Bieniemy. For other jobs, it's the right job for 99% of anybody else who wants to have a job. Um, and I think that's what the Jaguars situation is. I think the Jags owner, Shad Khan, has a history of staying out of the way, which I think for a, a team president or GM or head coach, it's exactly what you need. I can hear you squashing your paper, Keyshawn. I appreciate that in the middle of my segment. Uh, I just want to say, though, that I, I will say for a guy like Urban Meyer, I, I think you know, we just heard Jim Moore talk about this, having a little bit of autonomy. I think having an owner that understands if that is the situation, hey, I'm going to give you a little bit more clout. Maybe that president and Urban have a really good rapport. I think that's important for any – it has to be the right kind of job scenario, the right pieces to allow the autonomy for a guy like Urban Meyer to succeed. The the thing that scares me with Urban or any other college coach that takes and comes to the National Football League is that much like Jim Moore said, you better understand what you're dealing with because mm. you are dealing with grown-ass men with full beards <laughs> in baby car seats in the back of their SUVs. Adults. They don't want to hear anything about nothing but what it is that they need to do to make their money and take care of their family. That's all I'm saying. long as he understands that, I think he'll be okay. One last note, and I don't know, you know what they always say about the dreaded vote of confidence. If you get the vote of confidence, you know what comes next. But I will mention that uh, Zach Taylor is going to be returning to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals owner Jeez. and team president, Mike Brown, he put out a statement that was just, it wasn't more of the, we're moving in the right direction, we believe in him. This was pretty energetic. I'll just give you a part of the statement. Just a reminder, Zach Taylor was 2-14 and 14 in his first year. They're coming off a 4-11 and 11 season. Obviously, they lost That's Joe gross. Burrow. Right, there is growth. Quote, our fans wanted a fresh new direction two years ago, and that's what we aim to do in hiring a bright, energetic head coach in Zach Taylor. We remain bullish on the foundation Zach is building, and we look forward to next year giving our fans the winning results we all want. Makes sense. Lost Burrow. Five games next year. Right. (laughs) Still moving in the right direction. Taylor himself, a former quarterback. And in a quarterback-driven league, I guess that's what you want. Uh, Just a reminder... Beginning tomorrow, Tuesday, January 5th, Mike Greenberg begins his new show, Greeny, immediately following Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin here on ESPN Radio. Greeny will take you inside the stories of the day as only he can. The newsmakers you'd expect, the A-listers, interacting with you every single weekday from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin right into Greeny weekday mornings on ESPN Radio. On the way, Mr. Monday Night himself, Lou Riddick, he's getting ready for the big wild card game between the Ravens. And, of course, the Titans on ESPN on Sunday. Plenty of breaking NFL news to get to with Lou on the way. No lack of things. We're keeping an eye on all the head coaches and GMs. It's that first Monday after the Sunday regular season ends, and you know what that means. Everything on the way with Lou. But first, a reminder, Episode 6 of Peyton's Places is now exclusively streaming on ESPN+. In this episode, Peyton meets up with former late-night host David Letterman at his alma mater, Ball State. 
and enlist the help of the football team to propose new rules for the sport. Peyton's Place is always a laugh, available now exclusively, streaming anytime you want on ESPN+. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. By the way, the NBA is back on 95-7 The Game. There's been so much football with the playoff and then the NFL postseason. Got to give props where props is due. Steph had 62, 62 last night, a career-high Warriors over the Blazers by 15. He did it in 36 minutes. 62 points in 36 minutes. He hit eight threes. Speaking of eight, Derrick Henry, the eighth player in NFL history with 2,000 rushing yards. When you rush for 2K, I got to give you every single yard. So call it 2,027. The first guy to do it since Adrian Peterson in 2012. Titans actually have two guys in the 2K club. CJ 2K himself. Chris Johnson also there. Ravens, Titans, ESPN, Sunday. 105 p.m. Eastern, ABC, ESPN2, Deportes, Freeform, the Megacast. We'll have this game covered from every single angle. And the Jets are probably going to turn over every single stone to find the best coach that they can. They fired Adam Gase after two seasons. He was 9-23 and in New York. He was 23-25 and with the Dolphins, leading people to ask why he was ever hired with the Jets in the first place. But it's all over. New York's got the number two pick in the draft. We'll see what general manager Joe Douglas does sports center is brought to you by indeed are you hiring you need indeed indeed immediately delivers quality candidates from their resume database when you upgrade your job post it's that simple receive a 75 dollars sponsored job credit on your first post at indeed.com slash credit terms and conditions apply once again a reminder the ravens and the titans sunday 105 p.m eastern on abc espn deportes in spanish megacast Everywhere you go, ESPN2, ESPN+, and Freeform. Fellas, as we wait for Lou Riddick, let me just run through the playoff schedule. It's something we haven't gotten to this morning, obviously. Football fans around the country are waiting for it. We'll get your thoughts in a second. We've got Lou on the line, ready to go. Colts, Bills, Rams, Seahawks, Bucks, and Washington football team Saturday. Ravens, Titans, Bears, Saints, and Browns, Steelers on Sunday. Lou, I'm eventually going to ask the fellas this, so let me ask you this. And I know <laughs> I, I know you have to pick our game, right, because it's our game, but which one of these six are you really, really, really looking forward to watching? Well, it'd be, I mean, obviously, I mean, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland is spectacular because I mean, it, it's a rematch a week later. And, I mean, having having been involved in that rivalry before as a player, you know that's going to be – I mean, that's just going to be absolutely heated because I'm sure Pittsburgh feels like they could have won the game yesterday if they had been at full strength and had everybody playing. 
Cleveland is trying to kind of slay the beast, the, the team that just kind of haunts them. And they haunted us back in the 90s, so they're, they're haunting them still. But I think that that's a game that I'm very much so looking forward to outside of our own, which quite honestly, look, I mean, it, it's obviously going to sound like it's a, it's a biased agenda to say that ours is the best. But this matchup between Baltimore and Tennessee, I mean, this, is, this one's got some, like, a lot of history. It's got history this year. It's got history a year ago. I mean, there, there's just a lot going on with these two teams, man. And the styles could not be better suited for one another. If you like explosive playmaking down the field, physical play in the trenches, I mean, it's got everything. It's absolutely got everything. I, I think all things being equal, if I were just looking at all these games next week, this would be the one that if I'm a football purist, this is the one I'd want to watch. Lou, how important was it for the Packers to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs and have that bye? Well, I, look, for, for them, Keyson, I think they travel no matter what. But I think that what's important, I think what, what it is, is it's dangerous. It, it's hard for everyone else. Because even though there's no fans and all, like having been up there this past year, I mean, would you want to go up there right now in January? No. With no fans in the no. stands, right? No. With no fans. No. Exactly. No, <laughs> no fans in the stands. It's kind of a dark stadium. It's real quiet. It's the kind of energy that, that kind of stadium that if you don't bring a lot of energy and they, and they jump up on you, you will start looking at the scoreboard and going, when can we get on the bus? Because it's aren't cold. Wired right. Exactly. <laughs> if you aren't wired right, it will take it out of you in a hurry. Yeah, and no. so that is something they know. And everyone else knows, too, going up there. Yeah, no, I, I, I want no parts of the cold weather in January with no fans in the stands, and that's all I can think about <laughs> standing on the sidelines. Speaking of, exactly. thinking, speaking of thinking, Matt Nagy didn't think when he benched Mitch Trubisky at 3-0. and Now that Mitch Trubisky has helped them backdoor into the playoffs, are mm. you still on with Mitch Trubisky and the Bears or pretty much off that train? Well, look, I, I just think they, they have they have issues that I still don't believe can be fixed until the off season. I mean, I like what they did as far as look, they, they changed their whole offense around from a drop back game to a move the pocket play action passing game. Once they once they decided they were going to move back to Mitch and sit Nick, they couldn't go. They couldn't keep the same offense in place. So I give them I give Matt a lot of credit for that for, for really moving outside of what he typically does and what he's been brought up in as far as offensive systems. I just don't know. If, I just don't think they have enough firepower to deal with the other teams in the NFC at the highest level. And, that, and I think they, they know that, too. I'm not, they're not going to say that, but we, we can all see it. We can all see it. What's going to be interesting more so is that what are they going to do this offseason now that they've already declined Mitch's fifth-year option, and now what are they going to do as far as addressing that position in 2021? Are they going to re-sign him? Are they going to keep this offense like it looks right now and just add more pieces to it? Or are they just going to scrap it and go, look, we want to run what Kansas City does. We want to look like that, so we need a different trigger, man, so we're going to go in a totally different direction. That's a lot to figure out, but that's what they're going to have to figure out. Lou, I think one of the reasons why I always enjoy listening to you is that you're always very reasonable. You're practical, right? You're pragmatic in your approach. Um, what is your take on the Eagles and Carson Wentz now, and how bizarre was the end of the game last night uh, watching a third-string QB come in while the Eagles were in position to win the game? 
Well, I, I think the one thing, Jay, well, you've always heard me talk about is the value of relationships. And ironically, where I learned that was from Andy Reid during my time in Philly because it was something that he stressed all the time, the importance of communication, the importance of relationships, whether it be between ownership, head coach, ownership, general manager, head coach, front office, head coach, coaching staff, players, all those relationships, that ability to communicate was something that he thought, thought was vital. And if you didn't have it, it would just rot your team from the inside out. And I think communication and relationships is in the relationship aspect of things is exactly what Carson keeps talking about that has been fractured. So when that happens, when a player admits that the way he did, then there's a problem. So you're going to have to go back and address it and figure out what happened. Why, why does it sound like now the guy who you committed so much to says that a relationship is, you know, cannot be, cannot be fixed. It's, it's just not able to be salvaged. That is a major statement from a franchise quarterback as deemed by you based on how you paid him. That's a major, major statement. So you have to get to the bottom of that. You just have to. As far as what they did last night, look, I, I think we all know that Jalen Hurts gave them, gave them a better chance to win that football game, and maybe they could have won that football game with him in the game. So putting Nate Sudfeld in there, who you know someone who as someone who didn't get any reps, probably wasn't even really prepared to play. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it, it's not a good look. And I think Jason Kelsey. Everyone has seen the, the uh, video on social media about what he said in regards to players wanting to play to win, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how bad the record is, no matter what the franchise is looking to do in the future, players playing to win is all that should matter. And once you give players the feeling that you're not playing to win, then you run a very, very good chance of losing the players. Well, that speaks for itself. I don't think anything else needs to be said. Those are the ramifications of doing that kind of thing. You know, regardless of what you say your reasons were, so now they're going to have to go back and have to kind of explain that to the people who are the most important in the NFL, which make no mistake about it, this is a player's league. The players are the ones who are out there playing. And if you don't keep them engaged, invested, and feeling as though you give a damn about them, then what you'll get in return is a performance that is not going to win you many football games. So now they've they've got some issues to contend with, and uh, we'll see what they do. Speaking of major, major statements, Derrick Henry made one yesterday. That's who Lou and the gang are going to see this weekend. Again, it'll be the first of three on Sunday on what they're dubbing Super Wild Card Weekend, the Ravens and the Titans with the new 2K. They got Chris Johnson. Now they got this guy going for 2K. You'll see Mm -hmm. it on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Deportes, ESPN2, ESPN Plus, and on Freeform. Lou, there's no lack of places to find you this weekend. We'll see you then. You got it, man. Thank you. All right, Lou. That is Lou Riddick. On the way, Tom Herman had to go at Texas, but not the way he went. That's on the way next. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Subin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! 
Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Beginning uh. tomorrow, Tuesday, January 5th, Mike Greenberg begins his show, Greeny, immediately uh. following ours on ESPN Radio. Greeny will take you inside the stories of the day as only he can have the newsmakers you'd expect and interact with you every single day from Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin writing to Greeny weekday mornings here on ESPN Radio. And thanks Zubin, to- can I just tell you really quickly, it was very awkward hearing LL Cool J's song and then seeing a picture of Greeny at the same time. Like, it was interesting. Well, well, let me, let me just say, hopefully we can, <laughs> uh, we'll be doing it well for the rest of the show. Did I get that right? I think that... Jeez. Sometimes I will come out of nowhere. Sometimes I will come out of nowhere. Yeah, well done, Zubin. Well, well done, Zubin. Hanging out in Maine too long together. <laughs> oh. All right, so here's the deal. Key wanted to go inside of this, too. This is very interesting. He talked about the politics of college football, particularly at one school, the University of Texas. Let me just get through this real quick. Tom Herman was fired as Texas's head coach um, just a couple of days ago, and he was on the job for four years. He had one 10-win season. In four years, he had zero Big 12 championships. His arch rival at that time, Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, in that same four-year span, went to the playoff three times. You have one 10-win season, zero titles. He's in the playoff three times in that four-year span. In the last four years, essentially speaking, their quarterbacks have been Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and Spencer Rattler. You have Sam Ellinger. I get it. His record was not good enough to survive. There was a bidding war between Texas and LSU for Tom Herman, which Texas won, and then LSU won the national championship with the other guy, Coach Joe. Let me just state this. It is Herman's fault what happened the last four years. But part of the reason he is gone is because of everything that's happened since Mac Brown sort of probably stayed a couple of years too long. So it's not Tom Herman's fault that Mac Brown stood there a couple of years too long. He was on the job for 16 years. He delivered them a championship. He had Vince Young. You let those guys go a little bit longer. It's not Tom Herman's fault, but Mac stuck around too long. Charlie Strong, probably not the right hire for a variety of reasons. Not really Tom Herman's fault, but he is paying the residual price. He's not the singular reason he's gone. Yes, singularly, his work was not enough. But in totality, if I'm a Texas big money booster, it didn't work with Mac at the end, although he deserved the end because he had done so much to the beginning. Charlie Strong didn't work, and now Tom Herman didn't work. If Oklahoma and Texas played next week, Oklahoma could name the score. And Texas A&M, their biggest rival in the state for recruiting, Saturday night, there was so much sports this weekend, Saturday night, they whipped North Carolina, coached by Mac Brown, in the Orange Bowl, and they could legitimately go into every recruit's house in Texas or anywhere in the country and say, we weren't in the playoff, but we had a great case to be in the playoff. If you're Texas, you can't make that claim. 
If you're Texas, you can't say, come play quarterback. Look at all the dudes I've had here. Texas was in a tough spot. They had to make the move. It's not Herman's fault. He's responsible for his four years, but it's the totality of failure that probably came down on him at the end of the day. It's tough. Cumulative effect. He shouldn't have to deal with anything that happened before him, but it's been a drought of a decade for Texas. It's been a drought of a decade, and he paid the price. Take us inside the politics of big-time football in the Lone Star State. Well, I think it's, number one, Texas is the brand of college football in the state of Texas. It's not Texas A&M. It's not Baylor. It's not SMU. It's Texas. It's Austin. It's the Longhorns. And the politics of high school sports in Texas and recruiting is a mess. It's it's in that when Steve Sarkeesian takes this job, it's important, which I know he understands, to understand those politics, to bring people from those high schools in that particular region to Austin, Texas, to embrace them, to get them to buy in to what you're selling, because they will tell their players to go to other schools in a heartbeat if they're not getting what they need. It went on for Charlie Strong to a degree. It went on for Mac Brown. Now, Tom Herman has had top 10 classes and has done a tremendous job at recruiting the state of Texas. Although recently they lost some big time recruits, which I think Sark can get those guys back because you know, it's time to still recruit those guys. He's got plenty of time. And in terms of developing quarterbacks, that's something that the state of Texas has been rich at in developing quarterbacks, whether it's been Matthew Stafford and a host of others that have come out of there that Texas passed on and decided that we they were not good enough to play for UT. I think Sark will see that. And I think Sark will understand that Texas has some pretty good roots in terms of talent. Ohio State is a big... Big Texas recruiting, mm-hmm. USC, big Texas recruiting, Florida schools, big Texas recruiting, the SEC as a whole, big Texas recruiting. They've now got to put a net around that state and keep their players at home and make sure that they don't get out of there at all whatsoever. Key, how, how do you do that in football? Because I know in basketball, a lot of times you end up seeing big time AU coaches or big time high school coaches sometimes get moved to a staff. Obviously, that translates to a payment in a way. I know a lot of times there are agents uh, that through third parties kind of fund AAU programs, things of that sort. I don't know anything kind of like about that. A wink. Well, we all know about it. It's like a wink, wink where coach knows that guy is taking care of him. He takes care of a guy. It works out that way. How does that get done in football, though? It, they, they, they basically outlawed that about four years ago where the high school coach would get hired as an assistant coach of some part of the staff when his players signed with those universities, the NC2A pushed that aside in football. He can't do that anymore. But it's more just about the relationship building at the high school level in football. It's a relationship building. It's not a money deal. It's a relationship. It's how you treat people. It's how you value that student athlete that has gone to your university. Do you play him even though – you may have a better player from a different state, that sort of stuff. If, I, if I'm recruiting a guy from Seattle, Washington to come to University of Texas and I got a guy in my own backyard that's from Texas, chances are that guy from Texas is going to play over that five-star from Seattle, even though that guy in Seattle is really good. And that's the pressure that's put on the Texas coaches to be able to do those sort of things. And I think Sark will do it. I'm, I'm fired up for him. I really am. I'm fired up for him. I, I texted him uh, the other night 
right when he took the job. And, and so I'm, I'm fired up for him. Yeah, this hire has been nearly universally praised, which is very difficult to do in college football with all the fracturing and all the regionalization of the sport. People really love it. Again, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. Tomorrow we'll get you ready. It's Heisman Trophy Night at 7 Eastern Tuesday on ESPN. Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Devontae Smith. Dan Orlowski, the internet got receipts. Just want you to know. Jeez. <laughs> Throwing it out. You can scan Keep the, the internet key. to get more on that. Trap Trevor that. Lawrence. Tank for Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.